Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast. This is Ben speaking now. Mm-hmm. And this is Spencer speaking just then. Yep. Yeah. All right. So if you guys have been with us for a while, you know that we have been in the book of Numbers and actually we're going to wrap up the book of Numbers today. Yes, we are. Now, the uh, interesting thing, I was actually listening to some teaching on this, and and a lot of the um, Jews, well, actually, the the sages will look at this, and they'll actually call this the conclusion of of Torah, not because uh, Deuteronomy doesn't exist, mm-hmm. but because Deuteronomy is like Moses looking back yeah. over everything, which we're going to talk about next week as we introduce the book of Deuteronomy. By the way, do you guys, you guys believe we're actually almost done with, with Torah? Torah? Yeah. One more book. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully you've been having fun with it. So have we. Now, if you think that we've covered everything, you are sorely mistaken. We have we have barely skipped a stone across a lot of these things. As is proof with us taking on like 10 chapters today. Yeah, 10 chapters yeah. today. Exactly. <laughs> um, but what we wanted to do is highlight like high level points. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did have a conversation with a guy and he's like, well, how many episodes did you do in Leviticus? And I said, eight more than anybody else. <laughs> so it's uh, true. true. Yeah. So we spent a lot more time in these books. and and But I think what we found is that... Um, there's a reason mm-hmm. that these are the fundamentals yeah. for the faith. Yeah. Right? These stories. Mm-hmm. Now, Book of Numbers, we told you early on, buckle up, it gets gnarly. And mm-hmm. it's been gnarly for a while. Yeah. Right? So just a reminder of where the Book of Numbers starts. They're coming out of Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, they have received their uh, their instructions on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And it says that God takes them here. He sends a cloud. They follow the cloud. Mm-hmm. The cloud moves. They follow the cloud. Mm-hmm. The cloud moves. They follow the cloud. And like for a long time, it's like they're being obedient, obedient, obedient. It's been, it's looking like it's going to go real good, right? And then it takes a sharp turn because the desert is really hot. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, for any of you who have ever traveled or live in a desert, you would know this. And you guys are, you would be looking at us being like, really? You state in the obvious here? We're like, yes, we are. 100%. So what ends up happening is is like different things start happening. Like I remember back when Pastor Nick was on here, there was like this grumble, rubber, mm-hmm. you know, going on, mm-hmm. and it starts just like growing, mm-hmm. right? And then all the way to the point where um, Moses and and Aaron are told to go speak to the rock, and instead mm-hmm. they strike it, and like it's now permeated all of leadership. They're not listening to God. Mm-hmm. They come to the promised land, and they're like, "All right, let's go scope it out." And they're like, "Ah, I don't know. These guys are real big. These guys are real big. I don't know if I can fight them." And the only person who was like, "We got this," was Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, and Caleb. They're like, "Oh, we got, this. we got it." Yeah. And uh, and so ultimately, Israel is going to have to spend a lot of time in the desert until mm-hmm. um, the next generation comes up, and God says, "The next generation, if you're ready to go in." Now, I do think it's important to note once again, like we talked about in the episode with Moses' uh, leadership. They've still got things to do while they're in the desert. Yeah. They're still supposed to be putting gun on display. They're just not going into the promised land. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big deal. Yeah. So that's where we've been. Um, and then last week we talked about Balak and Balaam, mm-hmm. right? And we had that fun conversation about like, are you going to be like Balak 
or Balak, are you going to be like uh, Jethro or yeah. Pharaoh? Yeah. Who are you going to emulate? Are you going to trust and see the goodness of God and raise and pull that out? Yeah. Or are you going to react in fear? Now, ultimately, yeah. Balak responds in fear. Mm-hmm. And then this conversation with Balaam, are you going to be like Balaam or are you going to be like Abraham? Are you mm-hmm. going to trust the word of the Lord and walk it out in obedience? Or are you going to try to manipulate circumstances yourself? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, even though a lot of blessings are poured out on Israel, they still end up uh, in the throes with a bunch of prostitutes, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it turns out it does not end well for them in that in that in that capacity, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. By the way, this this is that section of scripture which I've actually had a, I had somebody quote to me once talking about being zealous for the Lord, and they're talking about the in the section of scriptures where the guy takes the spear and he spears it through the guy and the prostitute, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and he's like, we need to be zealous for the Lord in that capacity. And I was like, listen, that story is really important because it was real corruption, mm-hmm. right? But when people look at you, they should see Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus isn't sticking uh, spears through people's innards. No, Jesus actually had a different encounter with a prostitute where like, where they brought a prostitute to Jesus being like, she was caught in the act. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, the man wasn't brought with her. Mm-hmm different side. Highly questionable. Yeah. She was caught in the act and they're like, we need to kill her. We need to stone her because this is against the law. And what does Jesus do? He says, all right, you without fault throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? Right. Walk away one by one. They walk away one by one. And then Jesus was like, do they, do any of these men condemn you? Who's, who's left here to condemn you? And they're like, nobody. He's like, well, then I don't either. And so Jesus has a different reaction to uh, this uh, encounter with the prostitute than this man who spears both the prostitute and and her lover at the time. Right. Well, and we've talked about uh, frequently in Torah, mm-hmm. there are some extreme examples of what happens. And in this case, God actually says that it's actually Phineas and his uh, zealous nature that actually turns the anger away. Yeah. Right. That he's like, no, we will not let this happen. And I feel like God respects the zeal, maybe not necessarily the action. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, this isn't actually, like, the desirable action. I, the desirable action would have been for the people, even the ones prostituting themselves, not to, you know, mm-hmm. prostitute themselves. Yeah. That would have been the ideal yeah. reaction. So this is where we pick up in Numbers 26. Um, numbers 26 through the rest of Numbers. So if you haven't yeah. read that, go ahead and just take mm-hmm. some time, pause the podcast, um, go and read it right now, unless you're driving. Then don't read it right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, listen to it. That's fine. But don't read it while we're driving. Yeah. Um, so we pick up in Numbers 26, and, and the first thing that happens here is a census, okay? okay. Um, so this is actually kind of an important deal because they just had everybody kind of come through their ranks. They just had a bunch of prostitutes come through their ranks. There was corrupt. There was a lot of sin that happened. Um, and so now what? Now what's taking place is the Lord's like, okay, we need to actually gather up our people and see who's here. And not to mention they're about to go into the land, so they need to know who's from each tribe yeah. because they're going to get ready to divide the land between the people, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. this is just prior to uh, Joshua being given command. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Joshua has command, they go into the land and they start conquering, Yeah, right? Um, I do want to point out that so in 26, they take the census, mm-hmm. and then one something comes up at the end of this book that came up at the beginning. It's uh, Zella Fahad's daughters, mm-hmm. right? Uh, once again, like their father had died. They didn't have any sons, and- they so they don't have any property mm-hmm. because all the sons are dead. Yeah, and they come and they're like, "Hey, like we're literally going to be without home. 
if the stuff doesn't happen. So they brought up a form that said, give us property among our father's relatives. So, uh, because they're going into the land and they have nobody to have it allotted to. Yeah. So Moses brings their case before God and, he, and the Lord said, what Zelophith's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. Wow. Because in this culture, that is a groundbreaking, like uh-huh. massive difference. Now, in modern day, like that, we're like, okay, so the daughters got the land. That makes sense because it belonged to the family. Mm-hmm. Patriarchal culture, God has just dropped some serious uh, equality knowledge on them. Yeah, and just to like provide a little more context on this, if you only had a daughter or daughters, and you were about to pass away, and your land was about to be passed down, guess what? It would not go to your daughters. No, no, it would actually go to the next, the firstborn in your family line who is a male. Right, further up the tribe. Mm-hmm. Further up the tribe, who would choose to take care of your family or not? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so typically for women to own property was non-existent. And then to have God say, no, we're going to take care of these women. We're going to make sure that they have land is huge. Right. And he actually carries it more than just the daughter. So he actually institutes this thing so that families don't get forgotten. Mm-hmm. Remember what we said at the beginning of Numbers? Everybody counts. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan, that he may possess it. This is to have the force of law for the Israelites, as the Lord had commanded. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is that important? Because no tribe is getting left behind. Mm-hmm. No clan is getting left behind. We're going to make sure that you're remembered, that you mm-hmm. matter, that you're a part of us, even if there's not a clear line of succession. Mm-hmm. And the other the other thing with land, um, just before we get too much further along, is we have you have to view land as money, as currency, because here I mean in America nowadays you cannot own any property, but you can still have a lot of money, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you don't have to have real estate to be wealthy. Okay, they didn't back in this day. If you had land, that was currency. If you had. Uh, cows, so you got property, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's currency. If you had land, you had then could have livestock or crops that you grow uh, that then could be traded and bartered, and that was currency. Like that was more valuable than if you had a few coins in your pocket. And that's not to say there wasn't money. It's like mm-hmm. so somebody's typing on there. They're like, "Oh, are you saying that they didn't use?" No, of course they used no. money. But we're saying that we're talking about real wealth. Yeah, like real sustainability. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They didn't define wealth as just as. The amount of physical money they had, they defined it as what they owned. Right. Um, yeah. So once again, here in the book of Numbers, we see God remake, making sure that we know everybody counts. It's what happened at the beginning of Numbers. Yeah. It's what's happening at the end of Numbers. Everybody counts. Mm-hmm. There is provision for everybody. Mm-hmm. So after this, uh, Moses has a conversation with God because he's like, well, we got to appoint somebody to lead them mm-hmm. when I'm gone. Because I don't know if you know this, but when you have 600,000 people and the one person everybody's been listening to dies without a clear line of succession, what do you think happens? Where does everything go? Right. There's going to be a lot of people like vying for authority, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's already been happening while Moses was still alive. Mm-hmm. How much more do you think it would happen if Moses died without a clear succession plan? Yeah. God tells him this in its chapter 27, and we're going to start in verse uh, 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. 
Give him some of the authority so that the whole community, Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. And at his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. By the way, if you want to talk about the Urim before the Lord, that is a Q&A episode. So if somebody asked that question, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before the Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had instructed him. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about this a few times, commissioning, mm-hmm. right? What is Moses doing? He's taking his identity. Mm-hmm. He's placing it on Joshua. Mm-hmm. What I am is now going into who you are. Mm-hmm. You are going to take up the mantle that I leave behind. Mm-hmm. Like we are imbuing his identity, this whole idea of sacrifice, right? You're laying hands on, like you're leaning on, casting your identity, your your uh, favor, your um, authority on the next person. Mm-hmm. This becomes really important for us to know as a church, because like when we commission people out to be missionaries, mm-hmm. well, we have new pastors who we're bringing in who are being meant to equip us. Mm-hmm. The whole assembly is there, mm-hmm. recognizing the authority that's being placed on there. Yeah recognizing the identity that's being cast Mm -hmm. and they are also participating in the commissioning. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Now, ultimately the power and responsibility comes from God. Yeah. So we are involved because we're a family. Mm -hmm. That's what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. So church people, if you have somebody getting ordained at your church, show up. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody who's leaving your church to go start a, like an orphanage, show up. If you have somebody who's leaving your church to move to another area to do ministry, show up. Yeah. Like we have a responsibility to show up for our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and our family because they need our identity. They need our support. They need our authority to go with them wherever God leads. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, think of ministries that had leadership transitions where people didn't show up. Right. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, the ones I have been a part of and the ones I have seen where where a new leader, where a leader left and then a new leader came in and nobody really showed up. Everyone's kind of like testing the waters with this new leader that was brought in. Uh, it usually doesn't go well. No, there's usually, there's usually a season of time and it's usually two to three years where there's a really rocky road that that leader is walking down. Rocky road is delicious. Well, I wasn't talking about ice cream. Okay. (laughs) I was talking about the quality of Southeast Alaska's roads. There's this road that they're walking down where they're kind of uh, to, instead of Rocky Road, they're walking on eggshells. Walking on eggshells. So this new leader oftentimes is walking on shards of glass Mm -hmm. because they're like, okay, these people don't trust me. They had, whether it was a bad, it could have been good or bad experience last year, but they're like, there's a trust that's been broken because leadership left and there wasn't really a good process that brought, brought me into this ministry. That person gets to walk on shards of glass for like mm-hmm. two to three years mm-hmm. as they rebuild trust, right? I just want to pose the question, like, is that a healthy way to transition leaders? No. I'd say no, because what you're doing is then you're putting them in a spot where they're going to fail and get burnt out quick and then potentially leave. And then you're right back to where you started. Well, and to your point, we've talked about this a number of times about how the church has to think generationally. Number of times. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I like. I heard you say something, but I was talking and I couldn't get past my own. Brain. It was so funny. I had to lead away and laugh. <laughs> a number of times. That makes sense. Um, but we've talked about that. That we we have to think generationally, mm-hmm. right? I want to talk about tamarisk trees. Can I talk about that for a second? What tamarisk tree? Yeah. 
So uh, when Abraham comes to the land that God, and God gives him the, the vision and says, hey, this is going to be your land, mm -hmm. he plants a tamarisk tree, mm -hmm. which takes generations to grow, mm -hmm. which means that it has to be tended and, and grow for like like decades, hundreds of years maybe. I, I'm not a botanist, so please don't like hold me on this. But a, a tamarisk tree you plant for the next generation, not for you. It takes, it takes a really long time for a tamarisk tree to grow. So you don't plant a tamarisk tree for yourself. You plant it for your children or maybe your children's children, right? So the tamarisk tree can take close to 400 years mm -hmm. to grow to its full height. So you don't necessarily plant it for you. Mm -hmm. You plant it for your kids, 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 kids mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that I always wonder is, is, like, I think that we always need to live investing in the moment. But a lot of times churches, like, live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, which I think is a great way to live. Mm-hmm. The disciples live that way. Right. We should live like Jesus yeah. is coming back tomorrow because we want to share with every single person in the way that we live. But we also have to plan like he's going to not come back for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. we, this is uh, goes back to a conversation we had um, probably 20 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. What would it be like if we had an entire generation that planted Tamaris trees? The world would be changed. Right. Like we live in the moment because Abraham still lived in the moment. Mm -hmm. He still lived with everything he had to do. But he planted trees for a future promise. Now, I think it's interesting. It takes about 400 years to grow because God says, you're going to come back and take this land in about 400 years. Mm -hmm. So when Joshua and Caleb and all these guys are coming back in, they're actually going to come and see the very tamarisk tree that Abraham planted. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Churches, we need to start thinking generationally. Correct. Because... Um, we need to be looking at the young people in our congregation and, and asking, how can we build them up for leadership? Is there anything to make you feel like you're getting older than you're talking about young people in your church? Yeah, yeah. I I was working with some middle schoolers the other day, and I mentioned something that happened 20 years ago, and they were like, what? They're like, that was forever ago. And I was like, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. We need to start looking at the young people in our church and saying, hey, how can we build them up for leadership? And, well, and how can we pass the torch to them when the time comes? Yeah, and, and and this idea of like making everybody count, right, in numbers and like thinking generationally and knowing where you come from and all these different things, right? We need to be like that in our churches. We need to know our history, but we also need to know where we're going and we got to be yeah. planting for tomorrow. Yeah. Right? A lot of times we're like, oh, well, we need to reap, reap, reap. And, yeah, and Jesus absolutely says, look at the fields. They're ready mm -hmm. to go. But you also plant the fields for tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we got to be able to do both. And so we need to be about the work of of reaping. We also need to be about the work of sowing for generation and generation. And on people who aren't perfect, mm -hmm. but God is going to use. Do you, know what a, do you know what a farmer does before they harvest? Probably take a nap. Well, <laughs> that, yeah. But one of the, one, a big thing a farmer does before they harvest is they're planning for the next harvest. Right. Right. Because as soon as they harvest, they have to have a plan for what's going to go on the ground next for the next harvest. Yeah. Well, and, and an interesting thing about like modern farming techniques. So obviously, this we're not talking about like uh, ancient Israel, mm -hmm. but a lot of times farmers will grow multiple crops depending on the season. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And you have that requires a fair amount of planning, planning, organization, organization, yeah. thinking ahead, like thinking about the future, but also living in the present. Yeah, because that's harvest, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Is yeah, harvest is happening in the present, but you also have to know, okay, what's after this? Right. Yeah. So with that being said, like now Joshua has been ordained. Um, he's been commissioned. He's going to be the leader. God then reminds him of some very important things that are coming up, right? Yeah. 
some, he says, you need to remember where you come from. So he talks about reminding them about their daily offerings, right? These are daily connections with God. Yeah. Sabbath offerings. Mm-hmm. Are you going to connect to your identity and who you are? Monthly offerings, making sure that you have like a time, like once once a month, man, is connecting you. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Passover, like you got to remember that God brought you out of Exodus. And and then he starts talking about like this festival of weeks, there's the festival of trumpets. He's going to talk about the day of atonement, the festival of tabernacles, like all of these things that are going to tie them back to their history mm-hmm. and what God has done. Yeah. Right. Because he's he knows like this is a new generation. They're getting ready to go. Joshua is now in command. He's reminding him, don't forget where you come from. Yeah. We're going to talk about in a few weeks, we're going to talk about when Moses comes back and talk about the 10 words again in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. The first one is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You will have no other gods. And I said that if you forget he's the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, you're going to have other gods. Yeah. So you have to remember where you come from. So like in all this talk about planning for tomorrow, it's not that we forget today mm-hmm. and we definitely don't forget yesterday. Mm-hmm. All of those things have to exist almost yeah. like the God who was, the God who is, the God who will be. Mm-hmm. We got to remember all of those things. You mean scripture ties together? Mm, it's this crazy concept. Yeah. Okay. It's this crazy theological concept I've been working through that scripture is actually connected to each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some of, your, some of you who don't understand sarcasm are going to be like, wait- I'm hoping I'm hoping that people who like watch will be able to see my facial tics and be like, oh, he's joking. <laughs> um, but I do have a pretty dry delivery, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So then you get into Numbers 30. Yeah, there's not a lot that I want to really reference in Numbers 30, yeah. except that he talks about a vow. There's a few instructions that are going to be coming up about like how do you live in harmony when you're going to be in one spot. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's yeah. going to be this huge section here. Yeah. But in, in numbers 30, I want you guys to put a pin in that because at some point we're going to talk about the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. And there is a story in the book of Esther that actually connects to numbers 30. And I will uh, give, you know what, actually, this is a good challenge. Mm-hmm. If somebody can help or can write into us on our email and explain to me the connection between numbers 30 and Esther, and Esther we will send you a shirt of the desert is really hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll order you a shirt and I'll get it sent yeah. to you. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to give me your size because I'm not going to try to guess. That's that's rife with like, <laughs> that is rife with miscommunication. <laughs> please, please put Ben through that. Please yeah. put him through that. <laughs> the, uh, by the way, I was talking to, talking to my wife about the shirts and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go order myself a shirt. I was like, whoops, I almost ordered myself an extra small. <laughs> and she's like, please do and wear it. And I was like, huh? Yeah. Oh, that'd be so uh, in in 30, and I'm going to skip over 31, there's some stuff going on with the Midianites, and I would really love to talk about that, but we're just going to skip over that today. So if you got, have questions about it, Q&A, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we're covering 10 chapters today, so this is a very valley <laughs> surface level dive on this one. Yeah. So then they talk about the Transjordan tribes and uh, them, what what they're going to, how they're going to reach their deals and what they're going to do, because some of them are going to stay on one side of the Jordan, some of them are going to go on the other side. And so how are they going to work together? Um, and then in chapter 33, they retell the story of where they've been. And they they say they went from this place, then they counted here. Then they went from here, they went to here. And it's it's one of these sections that I think we're tempted to read over really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast, but remembering where you come from. Right. Like remembering your story is so important because you can't uh, you can't be thankful for where you are at right now if you don't remember where you come from. Exactly. Right. And yes, there's an assumption. I'm, I am playing into the assumption that the Lord has changed your life, that he's drawn you closer to him, that he's fundamentally changed who you are the, from the day you said yes to Jesus. Okay. 
that's the assumption I'm going off of here. But like we, at least in my life, I can't, I am more thankful about the goodness of the Lord in my life when I take time on occasion to remember where I came from. Yeah. To remember the bad in my life, to be like, oh, this was a crap in my life that the Lord's delivered me from. And uh, here I am now. Right. It allows a lot of the struggles I'm dealing with right now to kind of fade away and be like, man, I am so blessed. So in chapter 33, in verse 50, um, it says, On the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho, which is a familiar place you've probably heard of, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their carved images and their cast idols, and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. And there's a bunch of things coming up there. Um, <clears throat> but in verse 55, it says this. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. And then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, here's the thing. God is not going to allow other things in your life that are going to draw your affection. Mm-hmm. he's not going to deal with this whole idea of other gods. He's not going to deal with it. He says, no, you're going to be mine. And if you're not going to be mine, I'm going to make sure that the story is so ingrained in you that you can't help but put it on display. It ties back to Exodus, I believe it's 34, 14, where God says, put no other gods before me for I, the Lord, your God, whose very name is jealous, is a jealous God. Yeah. There's the things in our life that pull us from God and the Lord is saying, drive those out. Yeah. Now, um, he is saying that those things that draw you away from me, drive them out of your lives. Get them away from me. Uh-huh. Um, and then what that is, is that's the father saying, I love you so much that I don't want that in your life. Yeah. Like that's going to bring you no good. Yeah. Right. And I don't know about you, but there's been things in my life that the Lord has driven out that I'm so thankful that he's driven out and called me to help drive out. Right. Right. I, I think the tendency is um, sometimes, especially with militant Christianity, is to see this and be like, oh, we're supposed to go thwart evil. No, God thwarts evil. Mm-hmm. The Israelites were not a strong nation. They were strong because God walked with them. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to go wherever God commands. And if God has commanded you to go into the heart of evil and to proclaim the gospel, then go do it. Mm-hmm. But I also know that God has commanded you to love your enemies as he has loved you. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, this, you have these, these weighing commands. And so you have to see everything through the lens of loving God and loving other people, which is what Torah is all about, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about that. Yeah. Now, there are some hard stories because God has to speak into a context of ancient warfare. Yeah. Right? But these stories are meant to actually bring about something else. Yeah. So I do want to point out here in chapter 35, we talk about these cities of refuge, which is uh, where people can flee if they make an accident and actually kill someone. Um, this is, once again, these are rules that are going to help them live at peace with each other when they're in a land, mm-hmm. right? So that they have somewhere to go. There's also going to be some cities set aside for the Levites because they don't have an inheritance because their inheritance is God, mm-hmm. right? And so they said, well, you still need to have some cities for them because they got to have somewhere to go, right? Then mm-hmm. chapter 36, we have one once one more time, we have this uh, inheritance of Zella Fahad's daughters, mm-hmm. right? And God just kind of walks through here once again and making sure that they're not going to be left out. And I do think it's interesting that uh, this is actually the conclusion of the book of Numbers. Yeah. That the daughters and the and the the women are not going to be left out in the cold. Mm-hmm. 
Like this is the last action scene that happens in Torah. Mm-hmm. This actually echoes all the way forward uh, to the book of James. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of James chapter one, uh, James is saying, hey, this is true religion. I can take care of the orphan and the widows. Okay. Um, and we read like oftentimes what we'll do in our modern Christianity is we'll read that as a new command. Uh, but do you have to you have to look back at the beginning of James and who is James writing to? He's writing to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered amongst the nations. Okay. So James is writing to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered amongst the nations. And he's saying, remember this command. He's not stating it as a new command for them. He's saying, remember this command. This is true religion. Take care of the orphans and widows. Right. Right. It's not anything new. No. This has been, this has been for a long time. God wants to take care of those who are being left on the outside. Mm -hmm. And once again, we want to remind people that God actually values women. Yeah. Incredibly. Mm -hmm. They're not subservient. Mm -hmm. They're equal Mm -hmm. in what God calls them to be. Mm -hmm. So I want to point out one thing because we've talked about a lot, a lot of like skipping stones across numbers. So there is a very interesting uh, section in the book of Numbers and I want to come back to really quick before we close. Um, It's in chapter 32 and it's going to be in verse 39 says, the descendants of Makur, son of Manasseh, went to Gilead, captured it, and drove out the Amorites who were there. So Moses gave Gilead to the Makarites, the descendants of Manasseh, and they settled there. Jair, the descendant of Manasseh, captured their settlement and called them Havath Jair. And Nobath captured Kenoth and its surrounding settlements and called it Nobah after himself. How many of you have done an in-depth study on that? I mean, probably no one. Probably no one. Right? So I wanna, I'm, I'm going to explain to you why spending a lot of time in Torah is really important. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you some pieces of stories here. What if I told you that little section is actually connected to Genesis 31? Mm-hmm. And people go, what do you mean? It says, where is the last time that you've heard of this place called Gilead? Genesis 31. Genesis 31. It, it says that, uh, that, so Jacob is fleeing Laban. And Laban comes after him, and there's a whole thing about like the the gods and the and the idols and all the things that are happening in there. And they have a uh, have food at this place, and they call it something. And the two words, when you put them together, actually becomes Gilead. It's the same word, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Interesting thing here. Jacob has a child through Rachel by the name of Joseph. Joseph, who has two children, one named Manasseh. Manasseh. Okay. In here, it says that Jair is a descendant of Manasseh. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's the problem. In the book of Chronicles, Jair is not a descendant of, the, of Manasseh. Mm-hmm. He's actually a descendant of Judah. So you're like, okay, well, which one is right? Well, it turns out when you actually go into the genealogies that Jair is, uh, his, his ma- maternal side is in Manasseh. And his paternal side, which is where you track it from, is from Judah. Mm-hmm. So why in the book of Numbers do they tra- track Jair through Manasseh? Mm-hmm. Because the text is cluing you in that something that happened in Genesis 31, this curse that was coming on to Jacob and his family that showed up in his family and that is repeated through the life of Joseph and his brothers and the, the torn coat, the blood, all the things that are happening is actually being completed and righted right here in the book of Numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I just said that and some of you are listening and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on in this text. But in the book of Numbers, God's actually bringing completion to what's going on. And so this is my encouragement because we've been going through Torah for a while. Mm-hmm. And Numbers is a hard book. And Deuteronomy is not going to be that much easier. Because like, there's a lot of like questions we're going to have to ask about 
uh, places we've been and things that Moses says and things like that, right? So the women are not commonly mentioned, right? Um, or not commonly held in high esteem. And so there's this constant underdog story that actually happens throughout Genesis as mm-hmm. well. And that's actually echoed here. So uh, bear with me for about 30 seconds. Er, sorry, I just want to be a bear. And you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. All right. So uh, Abram, uh-huh. also, also known as Abram, has two sons. Abram yeah. also known as Abram. Yeah, Abram also known as Abraham has two sons. He has Ishmael and Isaac. Mm-hmm. Isaac's his second born. So Isaac is mentioned in the family line, not Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And usually the firstborn is mentioned in the family line. Correct. Okay. So by cultural standards, Ishmael should be mentioned before Isaac. Right. Okay. You have, uh, so then Isaac, okay, he has he has two boys, Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jacob. Uh, is a second born. Second born. Yeah. He is mentioned. Uh, he is he is mentioned in the family line, not Esau. Because mm-hmm. you have the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, mm-hmm. you get to Joseph. Joseph has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Mm-hmm. Ephraim's the firstborn, Manasseh's the secondborn. Mm-hmm. And then when Jacob goes to bless them, he blesses Manasseh over Ephraim. Mm-hmm. And so, along with the story of elevating women and actually mentioning the uh, maternal side, uh, you're doing that from the second born who's been given the blessing of the firstborn. Right. And so you have this constant underwriting throughout Genesis and it's, and it's echoed here in Numbers mm-hmm. of saying that the Lord blesses, quote unquote, the least of these. Right, right. Which is echoed in the New Testament. Yeah. The writings of James as well. Um, and so you have this underlying theme that's happening where he's like, okay, now Manasseh is getting this land. When in reality, if you're going to go traditionally with how birth orders go, it should be Ephraim. Mm-hmm. But God's saying, no, it's going to be Manasseh. Right. There is a lot. Um, that, there's a lot in understanding Torah. And so my, my encouragement with you is I think sometimes we read these stories and we take them wildly out of context because we don't even understand the context. Yeah. Now, for example, like reading this story right here, like if you don't understand that it connects to Genesis 31... You might be like, okay, why is this important for us to see? Okay, they took over the land, but this is actually incredibly important, mm-hmm. right? This this understanding is actually very incredibly important because it's going to help us see the conclusion of something that happened back in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And God has been redeeming that story mm-hmm. since that point. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing it over 400 years. It's almost like God thinks about the moment, the history, and the future mm-hmm. and invites us to be the same. Yeah. Now, I, I once again, I'm sure that there's somebody who's listening who's like, man, I really want you to deep dive into that. Great. Ask a question. We'll talk about it in the Q&A. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose sight of what we're talking about today, which is that everybody counts. Yeah. We plan generationally. We plan for the future. We plan. We work now, but we also think about what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's the thing. I have people ask me all the time. They're like, what is your opinion on the book of Revelation? And this is my opinion. God is the one that determines when the world ends. My job is to be faithful until then. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right? Amen. And if Jesus Christ didn't know when the when the hour is, chances are Benjamin Edwards isn't going to know either. <laughs> yeah. We want a prediction right now. Yeah. Eight time down to the second. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. And And here's my point. The book of Revelation is a book meant to bring hope to a world where Jesus is king, but not, but the kingdom has not fully been realized. Mm-hmm. Where evil still has authority, but the kingdom is moving forward. Mm-hmm. 
Go live like that. Yeah. Make sure everybody counts. Mm-hmm. Live your life in such a way that you elevate the people around you, that you lift up Jesus and you pull out the kingdom in its midst. Amen. Right? Amen. All right. Well, that is going to be the book of numbers, guys. Mm-hmm. Next week, we are starting Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And uh, and so Deuteronomy is a great book. There's a, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of lament. There's a lot of arguments on whether there's accurate storytelling. Um, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll dive all into all that. But it is a great book, so uh, that will be starting next week. Uh, again, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, the Tickety Talk. Um, where else? Were YouTube, YouTube, yeah, There's YouTube, yeah, YouTube. You can actually um, see our faces on YouTube. Yeah, you can see our faces. Which I don't know if I'm apologizing for anymore because if you're here again, it's kind of on you. This is the face the Lord gave me, so it's actually not. He changed it. <laughs> I just hide it under a beard. You, you changed uh, it. You changed it to this face. That's the questionable thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you can find us on YouTube, all those places. And then if you do want merch, we do have a merch store up as well. Link will be in the bio and all that stuff. So, all right. Until next time. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at loveandcontext.com on Instagram and Facebook for updates. I look great in my jacket, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we both did it. Jinx, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You owe me a coffee. I don't want that coffee. <laughs> I wasn't giving it right. to you. Ben, you good? <laughs> I, I tried to stand up and move. Instead, I just, I saw myself on the camera and the stupid move <laughs> I made. I'm like, well, that looks dumb. Uh, all right. I looked like a whale trying to breach itself. <laughs> <laughs>